Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the June episode of the Delicious Magazine podcast. This month, we pop into the Ghana kitchen with chef and author Zoya Johnio. We get a glimpse behind the scenes of the Goodwood Festival of Food and Racing, and we meet a commuter turned micro distiller whose life was changed by watercress. But first, a thought provoker. Would you ever eat pony meat? Now, according to Dartmoor farmer Charlotte Faulkner, pony meat, or taffety as it's called, is the key to adding value to the younger ponies on Dartmoor and to maintaining the entire ecosystem of the moorland. You're standing in the most beautiful place in the world and it will not be here if we do not have our ponies. The whole structure is pinned on the way that the moor is grazed and managed. Mm-hmm. It creates the right habitats for all the other birds, bees, you know, all the different animals, yeah. butterflies, all the different animals that are, are, are valuable to Dartmoor. We, as the charity arm of what we do, can home and look after 300. But as the Dartmoor Hill Pony Association, which is the pony keepers, they recognise that they have got to underpin their market. Which means a new way of making enough money to be able to keep the ponies. It's a way of knowing that your pony will have a value as a three-year-old. They're also much easier to home as three-year-olds. So for me, if I can change the mindset and make people recognise that... the Because the, all the ponies on Dartmoor are owned by somebody... You have to make sure they draw them back into their head and say, right, well, I'll take some older ponies off the top who've had a good life and I'll put younger ones in the bottom and give them a chance to life. Charlotte and Ash, a local chef who cooks with pony meat, took me to Powder Mill's Pottery and Cafe on the Moor, which sells pony chorizo, and where we bumped into a couple of hikers, Tim and Lucy. We're in the middle of Dartmoor and you are dressed absolutely stereotypically as mountain climbing <laughs> more people. Um, but you're actually here to buy some pony chorizo. Yes, we just kind of came in and saw it was for sale in the in the pottery and thought, yeah, we'll give that a go and we'll try and buy some. Well, like, we're both quite experimental and don't really write things off, so it's kind of... Are you, are you big food fans? Do you like to try all food? Of... Yeah, try new things, new ways of cooking, etc. So... Do you know about the issues about why they're creating a market for pony meat? No, not at all, actually. I feel like we Ash, should. Ash, you want to come and talk a little <laughs> bit about that? Uh, well, the issues is with it really is to, between the horses, the cows and the lambs, is keeping the structure for the butterflies on the moors. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really good meat. There's no reason why people shouldn't be eating it. If they were below a year, one year old, they would mm-hmm. be shot as foals. And mm-hmm. the reason why they're trying to keep it with the pony meat now is so they can lead three years of good life yeah. and then actually have a use at the end of it. 
Well, so they just get shot after yeah. a year just for... It won't even be, not even a year, some of them. You know, the foals would just be shot because they've, there's too many of them. Obviously, they breed, they're natural on the moors. Yeah. You know, you can't control it. And that's a way of controlling it. See, I completely agree with them. Let them have three years and then why not eat them at the end and they have the purpose. So, Ash, you're a chef at the local pub. Tell me about what you actually cooked. Uh, I've done a taffety uh, casserole. Um, Basically, very nice with cranberries. Slow cooked for about six hours. It's very, very lean meat. And what was the reaction? Oh, everyone wanted it. I had a batch of chilli just in case people were a bit squeamish about eating the pony meat. But no one had the chilli. Everyone had the casserole. It's slightly sweeter than beef. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I tried it with just searing it, so it was basically blue, and it tried it like that. It's very lean, very nice, and I tried it slow-cooked. It, either way, it's, it's very, very similar in texture and colour to beef, just a slightly bit more sweeter. So a bit more, it's cross between venison, I'd reckon, and beef, so it's in somewhere in the middle of the two. Dartmoor visitors Paul and Brenda had also popped into the cafe and were intrigued by Ash's argument. But Listening to what Ash has said about it, would you be tempted to walk away with some? Yeah, I think I would, actually. I'm not sure about my better half, but I think I agree with something he said earlier, which is, you know, why kill them when they're foals, when they could have a few years of happy life? Brenda's been to Peru, she's had uh, alpaca, because there are, they're there, they're animals, and, you know, animals are there for a purpose. Part of which is, you know, we can, they look after the environment and then we can eat them. Philip Limbury is the CEO at Compassion in World Farming and believes that all farm animals should be free to graze on pasture, just as the Dartmoor Hill ponies do. But can we really eat pony? Well, the key thing for any animal that's being reared for meat is that it is properly treated, uh, that that he or she has a good life before their death, which means that they are not only uh, fit and healthy, but also happy, able to express their natural behaviours. If they're a grazing animal, allowed to graze. If they're a rooting animal, allowed to to root. Uh, If they're like uh, chickens, they're allowed to go out and explore uh, the the, the landscape. I think in, in here in Britain, uh, of course, there is there is always going to be that uh, uh, residual uh, concern about uh, horses and ponies. We're, we're a nation of, of horse lovers. For those people who who feel a bit queasy about it, who might go to Tesco's and buy a bog off chicken quite easily because that's what they've been doing for all their lives. That chicken doesn't have as good a life as a Dartmoor pony. Well, the reality for most chickens uh, reared in Britain, uh, in Europe, and actually uh, across the world, certainly uh, uh, commercial chickens, is that they are uh, they spend their life crowded in uh, windless sheds. Uh, they're made to grow so fast that by six weeks old, uh, they're not only often suffering from painful crippling uh, and cardiovascular disease, you know, some of them dying of heart attacks at six, week old, six weeks old, um, they're actually um, uh, ready for slaughter. Uh, I continue to be a little sceptical about uh, ponies and horses. I'm uncomfortable about new animals, if you like, being drawn into the farming arena. You're fully domesticated animals like pigs, chickens and cows are being treated so appallingly on our factory farms. Can there really be an argument for bringing other, more wildly sensitive animals into that farming arena. That continues to be a residual concern of mine. Now to Chef Tips, the bit in the podcast where you might take away one bit of advice that could change the way you cook. Lorraine Pascal's latest book, Bake, is an Instagram's dream. 
But her tip is not just about having your cake and eating it. I meditate for 20 minutes once a day in the mornings. And I just sit there as soon as I wake up, sit up, put a pillow behind my back and meditate. I always want to do stuff that makes myself proud, that I'm proud of and try and be humble. And if it inspires one person, then I, I've done my job. Zoe Ajonio is the author of Zoe's Garner Kitchen, and after making her name with her supper clubs in Brixton, she's into her second month of her residency at the Sun and Thirteen Cantons in London, Soho. I met her to find out what she's planning to do with her plantains. What Garner Kitchen's about is, you know, it's small plates of really great West African food that celebrates those fabulous, kind of wholesome, hearty um, spices and deep flavours from Ghana. Um, but it's doing it in a sort of more modern plating way and sort of bringing ingredients together from Ghana that people wouldn't necessarily in Ghana put together as well. So it's it's a bit of traditional food like red red and suya beef and then, for example, we do um, tilapia is hugely, widely eaten fish in in, in Ghana. Yeah, which we can get in our supermarkets here, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's very, very So it gives an example of what you do with tilapia. So for the tilapia, we do... um, I have this lovely thing called uh, baobab butter. It's kind of a super fruit, it's a tree that yields this amazing fruit that's super brilliant and healthy for you, but I I decided to stick it in butter um, because it's got this wonderful citrus flavour. So we make a baobab butter with uh, uh, cayenne pepper and lime, and so we pan fry tilapia fillets in that, and then we serve it with um, shito, which is a very traditional hot pepper sauce made with smoked crayfish. And then the extra element, if you like, is a moringo and spiced cashew pesto. Oh so moringa is, again, another superfood ingredient. That's <laughs> the moringa. Um, no, moringa is... Um, yeah, again, another. It's, it's a bit like wheatgrass or spirulina. Okay. It has that kind of superfood element mm. to it again. Um, but yeah, so we do that with watercress and spiced uh, roasted cashews that we do in house. And you just got this lovely plate of like lots of different flavours from Ghana, but probably most people wouldn't have wouldn't associate that with Ghanaian food. So there's there's a bit of that, and then there's a bit of let's call that the rock and roll, and then you've got the very much traditional. You know, like the, the, the slow-cooked vegan bean stew like Red Red, or you've got the, the peanut sauce, which is uh, based on groundnut soup, which is kind of the dish that launched my business, I guess, nearly seven years ago now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're trying to bring the flavours of Ghana into Soho, and, you know, there's just not enough African food available, yeah. you know, yeah. African food. I hate to use that kind of conglomerate term for it, but there's certainly not enough foods from Africa represented in Soho so it's very exciting to, to bring that here and where are you getting your ingredients can, I mean can, can you go to Barrett Street Market for example to get your ingredients or do you have to go down to Brixton well um, in Brixton we've been so lucky because you know Electric Avenue is right there and it's like being in little Africa for the most part um, so here it's a bit more tricky I have to say but we've got some great suppliers um, who are just brilliant at you know, I've been working with them for a very long time and they know what I need and they'll just find it for me. So um, sometimes it's a hop skip for that um, other thing to Brixton, but usually every day it's delivered to the doorstep. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Now, Karen Barnes, editor of Delicious Magazine, is busy bringing back the kind of granny skills that are just too good to lose. I popped into the office to find out what's in the June edition of the magazine, and she told me about the art of letter writing in a feature called Letter to My Food Hero. Well, this is a feature that had its roots in a, a brainstorming meeting that we had last year where we were all talking about the lost art of writing letters and wouldn't it be wonderful to, in some way, capture that again where, you you know, the special feeling of a handwritten thank you letter. But in this case, it's broadened out into something slightly bigger where we've asked particular food writers to write a letter, an imaginary letter to a food hero of theirs that has inspired them. Living or dead? Living or dead. And it broadened out because a little while ago, an absolutely beautiful book landed on my desk, which I've got here. It's called The Gastronomical Me by MFK Fisher. And it was uh, republished by the Folio Society in a beautiful orange cloth bound edition. Gorgeous. And I realised that it was being endorsed by Ruth Reichel, who wrote the wonderful Tender at the Bone and Comfort Me with Apples, two fantastic books which I love. And I got in touch with Ruth and asked her whether she would be prepared to take part in a Letter to My Food Hero feature where she wrote uh, to MFK Fisher saying how much she admired her and also creating a recipe that was inspired by her. And then we asked Thane Prince to do the same with somebody that she is inspired by, who happened to be Marcella Hazan, and then Lucas Holweg, who wrote about Margaret Costa. And it's just become, it grew really into a feature that I think is something very special because it's got heart, soul and three fantastic recipes. So that's something very special. Um, And particularly Ruth, I think she she just has so much to say about her, her inspiration and the roots of it. But there are other elements in the June issue of Delicious that have their roots in inspiration. And I suppose it's just an indication of how the magazine comes about every mm-hmm. month. Mm-hmm. We always talk about the recipes we're going to do and get excited about ideas for features. And one of them was uh, by Lottie, uh, Lottie Coggle, who is our uh, deputy food editor. And we were talking about a feature about 
crab, cooking seasonally with crab. And I was telling her about my, my grandmother in Cornwall and how we had a tradition that we would go to the quay at Pulth Leaven, we would buy a crab that had just been cooked, we'd take it back to the house and my grandfather would get the hammer and picks out and we'd all take part in picking out the meat. And then she would... Uh, she would make a dish with caramelised onions and tomatoes and crab, mm. breadcrumbs and cheese, and it went mm. in the agar. And the whole point of it was that it stretched one crab to feed a much bigger family, yeah. which is what people of her generation yeah, were absolutely. and are yeah. so good at. And it's called crab stretch. Perfect. <laughs> so that's just another example of something where uh, how a recipe evolves in the magazine. And yeah. there are several examples of that throughout the issue and probably every issue if we analysed mm. it. It's a real sort of an ethos that's underpinning the, the magazine more and more, isn't it? That yes, I like to term it the, the resourceful cook, the resourceful yeah. approach to cooking yeah. because it's really just thinking about the things that you would ordinarily just chop off and put in the bin. Yeah. Um, Taking a actually, second thought. can you make some soup out of it, or exactly. just you know put those parmesan rinds in the freezer and put them in a soup at a later date to give that beautiful umami flavour? Just little tips like that that make the difference between wise cooking and wasteful cooking. And that kind of resourcefulness is winning awards for the Real Junk Food Project which scooped the judge's choice at the Fortnum Mason's Food and Drink Awards last month. The project serves waste food from supermarkets, farms and restaurants in pay-as-you-feel cafes all over the country. Adam Buckingham took me for a real junk food lunch at one church in the heart of Brighton and explained how it works. We have relationships with supermarkets and wholesalers and some restaurants and we have people offering donations of food that they can't use anymore. So the whole, and, and farms as well, um, we collect that food uh, sometimes on a daily basis, on a, on a nightly basis. We being a bunch of volunteers? Yes, yeah, that, I mean, mainly, mainly Sarah, um, she's the kind of head interceptor, she's got quite a few drivers that go out every night, 9.30, down to supermarkets and pick up their waste. So we take all that, we sort through it, anything that isn't edible that may have gone slightly rotten, gets composted and the rest of it is turned into beautiful healthy nutritious meals really um, and then we serve that on a, on a pay-as-you-feel basis and the pay-as-you-feel what do most people give um, I'd say I'd say on average about a pound a head um, which if you think you're getting a starter a main a dessert and a coffee an artisan coffee at that those plates are bulging over there. Yes. I'm looking at really properly amazing food, yes. seasonal food, um, colourful food. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of food that you'd expect in any fantastic vegetarian Absolutely. restaurant. Absolutely. Um, the very nature of the Pageful concept is that we encourage people to get creative with how they want, like how they value that plate of food, first of all, and then how they can contribute for it. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a, a financial donation. They can volunteer with us. They can help us with a skill they might have, with an idea. So that means that more people feel that they're a part of it, that they can contribute, because not everyone can afford to pay. I, I think you'll find that the homeless people do. Um, quite often with, with, uh, with money, you find the more money you have, the less you, the less you give. I don't know why that is. Um, but we do find that sometimes we have to say to some people it's all right you know that couple of quid you keep it i think a lot of people think that we're a soup kitchen or they think that 
if they're not in need, then they, they shouldn't come here and use the service, which is what we're trying to break down with one of the stigmas, because this food is for everyone. And we encourage everyone to come and, to come and get involved, to come and uh, yeah, eat, eat the food. And it's about raising the awareness about why this food's being thrown away, about the scale of the food that's being thrown away. Uh, and that if you, if you come here and, and eat a plate, you're, you're helping. You, know, you're, you are a part of this, this positive grassroots movement. Uh, my name's Greg. And where are you from? Uh, Brighton <laughs> University, yeah. Okay. And why are you here? Um, friends come here on a Friday, and uh, it's a really good mix of people. Uh, well, it's my first time here, and yeah, food waste is, is something that's quite common now, I feel, these days. So uh, doing anything to combat it, like coming here, is really great. So yeah, it's such a variety. They give you loads of stuff, dessert, coffees. Uh, the coffee's the best bit. Coffee. Now, how many of you sit on your daily commute dreaming of a gin and tonic? For former IT man Paul Bowler, it was more the gin than the tonic that inspired him to leave the rat race and found a micro distillery. Three years later, he's winning awards for his Twisted Nose Watercress Gin at the Winchester Distillery in Hampshire. Having sort of commuted for 20-odd years or so, um, and also turned 40 as well, which I think was the main um, you know, part of me that really wanted to change and actually do something completely different. It was a chance for me to actually um, start something completely from fresh. Um, I'd also seen the renaissance in gin, the new interest in, in craft, uh, the craft distillers movement in the UK, uh, and really wanted to be part of that. I love my gin, so I thought, well, what a better way of doing it than actually launching my own uh, micro distillery and creating my own gin as well. What knowledge did you have in order to be able to set up this business? Well, I started from, from a position of complete ignorance, I have to say. Um, but I did spend a couple of years actually researching it, um, working with people like the WSET, the Wine and Spirits Educational Trust up in London, uh, going to their seminars, uh, a lot of reading. It's amazing what you can learn on the internet these days, yeah. talking to other distillers uh, as well. Um, and really, yeah, just uh, once I got my licences, just a lot of trial and error, a lot of error, certainly. <laughs> a lot of drinking and spitting out. <laughs> well, a lot of throwing away in the early days, unfortunately. It just wasn't palatable. But um, after sort of 18 months or so um, of trying out different recipes, um, working out the, you know, the process to get the best from the botanicals, then actually, you know, came up to the point where my wife actually said to me, you know what, this is pretty good, you should do something with this. I mean, gin can be flavoured with anything, um, except it has to be predominantly flavoured with juniper. So that's, that's the law as it's set down. So as long as you've got juniper in there as one of the dominant flavourings, then actually you can put in whatever else you want. Uh, so for me, starting the distillery, well, just coming up three years ago now, um, I wanted some local flavour in my gin, and watercress is one of those ingredients that kept coming up time and time again in conversations with, with friends and family around, you know, what local flavour could go in there. Um, it was all about that local provenance, that local flavour. Um, it's about using what I can from you know, the fields of Hampshire uh, to create something which has its heart and its, you know, its home here in, in Hampshire itself. So Twist and Nose Gin is a, it's a, it's a lovely gin. It's, it's very, very pure, very clean, still full of flavour, um, but you don't get any of that harsh burn that you get from certain gins. Um, have a try and see what you think. That's very unusual. doesn't taste anything like the gins I have had. Not that I, I tend to drink gin without my tonic or my mix-up. There's a little bit of every sort of facet that you can have in there. There's a little bit of spice in there. You probably you know, sense coming through from the pepper, from the watercress. Uh, there's a little bit of citrus in there from pink grapefruit. Um, there's some floral notes in there by using local lavender from Long Balm, which is just around the corner from the distillery. Even the coriander, I see, the coriander seed I use is actually from the South Downs as well. So a very enterprising farmer who's growing a crop of coriander for the gin market. Yeah. But what you do get is lovely herbaceous notes coming through at different times. There's even things like pepper, 
there's bits of mint coming through, there's rosemary, there's all sorts of lovely herbaceous flavours actually all come through from the watercress. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not sort of quintessentially that watercress hit that some people expect. Mixologists really around the area, they love the fact that it's, it has that local provenance in, in Hampshire. The, the watercress actually grown just outside the distillery here. You know, you open the doors and there are the watercress bits. Um, and they like to sort of, you know, build that into, into the drinks they're making. So whether it's from a you know, Hampshire martini or a you know, Bloody Mary, as we say, or a Hampshire Bloody Mary, then uh, yeah, they're, they're doing a great job and actually bringing the best out of the spirit. And finally, Delicious is holding one of its special events at the Goodwood Festival of food and racing. Marketing director of the magazine, Julia Rich, told me what to expect. Uh, So it starts on Thursday the 25th of May, runs for three days, and we have racing as well as food at the event. Uh, It's going to be very exciting, and Goodwood is a glorious place if anyone's had the chance to visit it. So it's set in the beautiful rolling hills in the countryside. Um, Let's hope the sun shines, but you can come, and also there's a great taste market there, so you can come and try some of the produce at the great taste market. Come and meet the team. Karen, our editor, and Jen and the food team will all be there, and uh, basically come along and try some of the delicious things as well as actually see us make it in in real life. People often come as a group, so maybe they go and try special restaurants or they want to come and see certain things at a show but often people will come as a group of friends and have a lovely time together and that's really nice to see obviously delicious is really about bringing people and sharing and food and everything so it works it works well acting food editor jen bedlow will be leading the food demos so we have um our favorite tipple gin which is going to be worked into a absolutely wonderful bake um, a bake yes a, a gin and tea. tonic uh, cake, oh, which is actually it's on our website and it's one of the things that surprisingly people um, search for. Does it actually taste of gin and tonic? It does. We've also got gin coming up again in a wonderful Hugo cocktail, which will be paired with some uh, three cheese crostini. Um, we have the Cornish Cheese Company um, set up at Goodwood. Great taste. So we, we thought what better way to showcase it on, mm-hmm. on some very simple beautiful crostini. And then we have uh, one of Lottie Covell, special recipes actually, it's in the May issue and it's a wonderful spring celebration tart, it's got butter beans on the base, it's a real assembly job, topped with gorgeous spring vegetables and she'll be producing that and a really quick assembly job trifle. And presumably people will be able to come and have a chat with you about recipes yeah. they've tried and failed or tried and particularly succeeded with and wanted to share with you. Yes, we'll be we'll be there all day and around the, the Dem stand and our delicious stand. We'll be there to answer any questions definitely uh, during the Dem and after. Thanks for listening to the June podcast. We'll be back each week with Extra Portion, our director's cut of some of the interviews that were just too good to lose. Next week, we'll hear much more of that debate on pony meat. Go to the Delicious Magazine website to subscribe to the podcast for free, and you can find out much more about the world of delicious.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.